Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, show number 37, the UK's online digital TV and technology show. The show that's based on feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me as ever is our tech guru, Pete. Hi there. Later in the show, I'll be updating you on recent developments in the world of satellite navigation. Here's a look at what else we're covering in today's tantalising take on technology. Sky HD boxes to be recalled. The winners and losers in the football TV wars. Global positioning without the aid of GPS. Freeview channels shuffled and new DAB plans. Plus questions on BT Vision, Full HD and more. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast. Now loading news. Headline time, and first off, some important news for Sky HD customers. Sky has announced that some of their Sky HD boxes will have to be replaced due to a fault with internal wiring. The problem affects around 90,000 Sky Plus HD set-top boxes. The affected boxes are the early ones made by Pace. See our show notes for information on how to check if your box is affected. According to Sky, around 1 in 10 of all HD boxes will have the problem, and it's a quality problem, not a safety problem. The replacement process should take around 3 months, and Sky will compensate affected users. Staying with Sky, the scores for Premier League football are in. Sky 5, Setanta 1. The transmission rights for the 2010-2013 Premier League season were split into six packages, and Sky has snapped up five of them for the staggering sum of $1.62 billion. They've stolen ground from rival Satanta, which means from next year Satanta customers will get half as much Premier action, just 23 games. Now, some Freeview news. Last month we saw some reshuffling. ITV4, CITV, ITV2, E4 and E4 Plus One all changed channel numbers. Also, 5US renamed to 5USA. If your box hasn't done so automatically, you'll need to perform a channel rescan to get the correct lineup. In Freeview HD news, the bids are in for the fourth HD slot, and it's going to be either Channel 4 with a Film 4 Kids TV offering or something from 5. Next, some radio news, and things could finally be looking up for DAB. We're hearing discussion of a new national talk radio station to be provided by Global Radio, as well as a national music station and a national DAB station for kids. More on this when we have it. Also, for the last 16 years, commercial radio stations have got their news from independent radio news, supplied by ITN. From the 3rd of March, this will change, and news for commercial radio will be supplied by Sky News. A quick piece of BT Vision news, the on-demand over-broadband service currently provides a small number of movies in HD. They're now adding some TV content, including documentaries and soon shows like Top Gear. And finally, news of a new TV channel coming soon. And know before you ask, this isn't an April Fool's joke. From the 20th of March, a new channel from Discovery will be added to the Sky lineup. The channel? Discovery Shed. Their mission statement, the place for men who like good practical activities to escape to. If you happen to be a Shed enthusiast, check out the Shed fan site at shedblog.co.uk. Sadly, it seems that Discovery Shed won't be in HD, and we're also able to confirm that the channel's host will not be (coughs) Bob Fleming. Thanks, Pete. For more on these stories... 
take a look at the show notes for show 37 at frequencycast.co.uk, where you can sign up for TV and tech news updates. Oh, by the way, have you seen the new sitcom yet? Oh, FM, you mean? Yeah, very good. You enjoyed it, did you? It's a bit like us in the studio, isn't it? Only funnier. Here's a clip. Okay, listeners. Justin Hawkins is still with us. Yeah! Yeah! Justin, were you a fan of... What were you called? Choose Up. Choose Up? Yeah, obviously, massive fan. Um, Had all the albums. We never actually released any albums. Don't jump on the bandwagon, Justin, just because we're hot again. Sorry. Uh, and listeners, this is your last chance to vote in our online poll, which today is, should our producer, Jane, get a tattoo? Yeah, Jane's been toying with the idea, and we thought, what better way to make such a momentous decision than to ask a bunch of strangers? 70% are saying yes! Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I think you should go for it. Oh, you can't ask him. Look at him. It's like asking Amy Winehouse if she'd recommend a night out. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. I'm, I think that's going to go down well. Uh, yeah, you'll all enjoy that. I did. If you haven't seen it, FM, it's a new series. It started last week, Wednesday nights on ITV2. Anyway, um, where's the button for the... Um, oh, there it is. Frequency cast. Now loading. Focus. Well, this is a bit of a blast from the past. We're focusing in on a sat-nav once again. The last time we did this was in uh, Focus 4. That's show 4, Focus. That was shocking. So what, what's happened since? Yes, it was quite a while ago when we focused in on SatNav, so we thought it was time to have another go and talk about what's changed in the last couple of years since we last touched on SatNavs. And I bet a lot's happened since then. So what series are we on now? Because we did, uh, what was the SatNav we did? TomTom number Mark Three or something? It was actually the TomTom One was the product we reviewed. Good Lord. What are we on now? Seven, eight? Uh, nine forty. No, no, no. <laughs> You're running fast again, aren't you? Yeah, so there's the TomTom 1 range, which is the kind of lower-end range. Then they've got the TomTom Go product, which is a little bit more advanced. So we're actually looking at the top-end TomTom device here. Now, let me just start one of these up for you, because you won't have seen how these things have moved on. Whilst you're powering this up, uh, if I remember rightly, you could get the European one, which obviously did Europe and, and places like that, and the UK one, which isn't in Europe, apparently. Correct. You can get one that covers the whole world, or just one that covers Western Europe, or for a slightly cheaper option, you can get one that covers the whole UK and uh, Ireland. Uh, one of the things that has changed is the frequency that the maps come out. So the maps used to come out about once a year. Now you can get new maps every quarter, which is obviously a lot easier, a lot better at getting the new map updates. And the other thing about those is that you download those from the internet and you store them on a flash card or an SD card, is that right? Is that still the same system? Uh, this particular model, it's all built into the, the hard disk, so you don't actually have an SD card that you copy these files onto anymore. Um, the really clever thing that has happened with map technology now is, okay, this is actually started up now, I can actually make changes to the map, which is something I could never do before. So there's now this option called map corrections. This happens to be a TomTom, and you can actually correct a problem on the map. So where we live, you know, the main road into our hometown, they've just mucked about with the speed limits. So the speed drops down. Have you have you done that drive recently? Yep, it's gone from 70 to 50, hasn't it? Yes. So this map is out of date by default. So what I can do is I can make a manual change myself, correct an error, change road speed. And I can change that particular speed and I select point on the map and I can actually edit the road speed. What I can then do is send that automatically when I sync this up to my computer to TomTom's back-end system and they can update everybody else with that information. 
Now, that could be a little dangerous. I mean, you could start creating your own virtual worlds on the TomTom, couldn't you? <laughs> it could be, but it does have to be verified. So it's not just I can say, yeah, I want a quick journey home, so I'm going to tell everyone to avoid this particular road and off they go. Or even create a new one. It does have to be verified and cross-checked and everything else. But it's nonetheless, it actually does mean that every time I sync this to the PC, it's actually updating the maps for me, which is really cool. So it's a little bit like local radio where they say, if you're uh, travelling home, give us a call and tell us what's going on. It's save a bit of money on the helicopter fuel, isn't it? Absolutely. So the mapping technology has got a lot better now and you can update these maps. You get more frequent updates to maps and you can actually edit your own map and download other users' corrections to maps, which I think is really cool. But let's look at some of the other features that these newer sat-navs have. This particular model, feel the weight of that? Yes, that's all right, yeah. What I'd expect for such a device, it's reasonably weighted, it's, it feels sturdy, uh, it feels like a good piece of technology. There's nothing worse than having a really light, flimsy thing, um, but it's also not the lightest either. I think it's about right. So would you be surprised if I told you this had a transmitter and a receiver built into it. What, much like a telephone, really? I just like the way that just interrupted us. We're actually sitting in a studio and it's just told us to turn left. You look to your left, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Hideous. Oh dear, I'll have to look away from you now. I think it's just managed to pick up a satellite from through the window and it's suddenly decided that we're not on the road as we should be, but... uh, so, yes, this has a, a, a receiver, and obviously it's got the GPS receiver, but the newer ones have that, a little SIM card in. So this is actually a mobile phone in a sat-nav now. Well, that's just crazy. Can you make calls on it? Well, you can actually do hands-free calling on it through the Bluetooth to an existing phone, but the reason this has got a SIM card in it is so it can get its travel news updates over the mobile phone network and also capture information about road speeds and send that off to a central office. But it's not a receive-calls-only system, is it? It's just using the data. It's just using the SIM as a data service to get information about traffic news. All right, and I also notice it has on the bottom here uh, a mini USB connector. And uh, is that a headphones output or, or something there? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Absolutely. So it's a speaker output. Yeah. And this particular model also has an SD slot there. Some of the older models also have a, a socket for plugging in something called an RDS TMC receiver. Uh, isn't that news? Uh, road traffic news. That's the one. That's the one. So the models that aren't this particular one, this one's got HD, which is TomTom's high-definition travel, which is the over-the-mobile-phone network thing. But you can get travel news from an aerial as well over the RDS radio system, which is pretty clever. Very good. So this does some new stuff. So rather than just being a sat-nav that sits there and does your turn left at the end of the road stuff, this has also got a transmitter in it. So it can transmit its audio prompts, you know, the whole turn left, turn right to your car stereo so it's got an fm transmitter goes from 88 to 108 and it will actually use your car's stereo speakers to give you the traffic information that's good it's not coming from a little box and also means i guess that you can play your stereo at the same time Ah, and you see this is where it gets clever this particular one has a music and media button tap on that and you've got jukebox document reader ipod control photo gallery so you can actually look at photos through it and you can actually use it as a media jukebox. So with this, I can load up a whole stack of MP3s, so podcasts, music, whatever else, and actually get this playing through my car stereo, so it's like my iPod for the car, and as a traffic instruction comes in, like at the next roundabout, turn second left, it will pause what it's playing, do the traffic instruction, and carry on. And it also has a speaker on the back as well, doesn't it? Which actually has quite good sound. So what I've actually found is the sensible way of doing this is I do use this actually in the car for playing music. So I get music to go through the car stereo system and the instructions to come out of the speaker out of the back of this. Otherwise it gets a bit confusing and the levels are a little bit weird. 
but it is actually a really handy way of doing it and it beats trying to stick a set of headphones in your ears or plug in a separate iPod radio transmitter into your car, which is really cool. Yeah, it sounds good. And it sounds like they've developed it, uh, not for the sake of development. They've actually done some really innovative and also useful functions. Uh, everything about it seems to have become a slightly more slicker than it was previously. They've also got some nice little safety tweaks in some of these models as well. So now, you know, you're driving along, you want to make a change to where you're going. The travel news stuff automatically corrects and updates. So if there's a travel hold up, it warns you. Um, this thing, I stopped at a KFC the other day. I was doing a journey into London. And it started complaining. Why? Because you didn't buy the Zinger Tower with fries or because you failed to make it large? Well, I'd actually stopped to have a burger and it thought I was stuck in traffic. So it tried to reroute me. It said, I can't find a quicker way of getting there. You sure you didn't want a subway instead? Hold the olives. But one of the things when you're driving with this is trying to actually type in stuff as you're driving along and fiddle about with it when you're driving. Incredibly dangerous. So they've got some of these new ones. have got these lovely little features. Let me do this. Navigate to address. What does that say? Spoken address dialogue, so you can speak to the thing. Oh, absolutely. Let's give this a go, shall we? Let's do a little demo here. So, okay. So a one tap to get it into the right mode. We click on this one that says... Spoken address dialogue. Okay, let's just tap on this. Please state city. London. London. One. London, please state street. Barclay Square. Barclay Square. One. Bartlett Square. Please state house number. Fifty. Fifty. The big message has said your destination is on a toll road, so that's going into the London congestion zone. Incidentally, what I couldn't explain as I was going through that, because it would have confused it, is that it comes up with options, one, two, three, four, five, etc. So that uh, the reason I was saying one every now and again was because I was choosing the option, which is the first option on the list. So it's quite efficient. In that case, every first option was the one I wanted. We click OK. There you go. There's our route 50 Berkeley Square, London W1J London, and it's done the route. So completely hands-free, voice recognition. That's quite spooky. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Okay, so what we're going to do now is show you, you remember the old navigation used to be at the end of the road, turn left. This has now got voice recognition and um, text-to-speech, so it can actually be a bit more precise. Let's just try a few directions here. After 400 yards, go right on the roundabout, second exit, Bourne's Chase. After 300 yards, cross the roundabout, first exit, Green Lane. After 400 yards, go right on the roundabout, Second exit, then go left on the roundabout, first exit, Little Road. After 1.2 miles, you have reached your destination. I'm sure I've just beaten some sort of land speed record. So there you go, we've actually got that in demo mode, high speed mode, so we've just done a five mile journey in the space of about uh, 30 seconds there. It's not unusual for me. <laughs> Let me just tell you some of the other features some of these companies are doing. Uh, something TomTom aren't doing at the moment, but some of the other sat-nav manufacturers are, are using actual satellite images, so Google Earth-type images. Oh, right, so you can actually see the place you're going to. Absolutely, which is a really, really cool idea. Some of them are doing this sort of 3D heads-up display, so you can actually see tall buildings. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm, which is all pretty cool. Some of the TomToms have things called IQ routes, which calculate your route based on the real average speed of roads rather than the maximum speed limit of the road, which is quite cool. There's also this thing called ALG. LG. LG, Advanced Lane Guidance. This is cool. I was on the M25 at the weekend, and as you're approaching a junction, you actually see a picture of what the junction actually looks like to give you a clue which lanes to, to get into. 
So you kind of get these flashing things saying be in the two left lanes because the road's about to split. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. A few other things some of these do. Uh, fuel prices, find the cheapest fuel from where you are. That's always helpful. Absolutely. Obviously, safety cameras, they've been around for a while. As well as safety cameras, you've also got things like uh, weather updates on your route, which is quite handy. Um, hands-free calling to Bluetooth, voice control. And, of course, these things are all touchscreen and they're designed to link up to your PC. So it's getting pretty clever. Um, some of them as well have a link into Google, so you've got local search, so you can find out um, local businesses, local restaurants, all that kind of stuff. So the power of Google beginning to become built into these sat-navs, which is pretty clever. So it certainly is the man you want to go out with, Tom Tom. <laughs> but of course there are a good number of other machines out there. There's the Magellan, the um, the Garmin. It's not all about Tom Tom. Tom Tom do tend to be the market leaders because they are very, very easy to use. Excellent. So uh, what's this one again? So this one here we're looking at is the Tom Tom 940. Right. It's a shame we can't show this map on the podcast, but uh, I guess we could put some screenshots on the uh, website, could be or something? Yeah, I'm sure we can do that. We'll get something up on the show notes for the show, show 37. Okay. Also, just want to make mention of the fact that you can get a heck of a lot of phones now that have built-in GPS. So I've got my little Nokia 6220, which has a built-in GPS receiver. Gets its maps over the air from Nokia. And, of course, my classic little iPhone 3G here. Very nice. Which also has a GPS receiver in it. It actually has an A GPS receiver in it. has an A GPS receiver in it. Being Meaning what? Assisted or advanced, depending on your definition. I've always called it assisted which means it knows where you are by your cell base, your mobile phone transmitter. So it doesn't have to try and look for all these satellites to try and puzzle out where you are. We're watching you. Now, this is the really scary thing with these things. The iPod Touch has Google Maps built in. And if you look at this little symbol here, when I fire up Maps, at the moment, we're in a studio. We haven't got line of sight to a satellite on my iPhone, but I can press this button here. Describe that for me. It's a little blue button with kind of like a, a cross in it. Yeah, crosshairs, I'd say that is. So I've pressed that. That basically is locate me now. Now, it can't see the satellites, and you can see it's narrowed in to our part of the world there, actually with a fair degree of accuracy. Now, that's got that from the cell base, so this knows our nearest cell tower. But it's also, if I do that again, right, now that's actually quite accurate, isn't it? Yeah, actually, yeah, there, there you are. Look, you're waving now. <laughs> so what this has actually done, without using satellites... And even on an iPod Touch that doesn't have a mobile phone receiver, it actually knows where we are. Now, do you know how it does that? Telepathy. Cleverer than that. You gave him a call earlier. We've also now got this. I can see my studio from here. Actually, that's very accurate, isn't it? That's a bit shocking. (laughs) So that's actually, so we're in satellite view. We can zoom right in. How far away is that from, look at the quality of that. That's actually really good. So we've got a little flashing blue dot. So, given that this can't actually see the satellites, how do you think it's so accurate? Pass. Don't know how. Well, puzzle it out. It's not getting its information from the cell base. It's not getting its information from a satellite. So, what's it getting its information from? Think the iPod Touch has this functionality, and the iPod Touch doesn't have a mobile phone in it. Sorry, I'm too busy looking at the picture. (laughs) You're zooming in, aren't you? So, serious, serious question. There's someone sunbathing in the back. Naked. The iPod Touch, and at the moment this, cannot see the satellite and also doesn't have a mobile phone in it to be able to tell where we are. So on an iPod Touch, how does this know with that amount of accuracy to within about a building where we are? No, I don't know. How? It's a really clever piece of technology from a company called Skyhook. And what they've worked out, the real the test here is that little symbol there. Oh, I see. It's to do with how big your... How- how well your phone will pick up a reception. No, 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 no. no. Again, iPod Touch, no phone built in. It's the Wi-Fi symbol. 
what it's doing is this is looking at the nearest Wi-Fi cloud. So this can see where we are, that there's actually three Wi-Fi access points that all kind of intersect. There's only one place in the UK that this, could act, this picture could actually be like this. So Skyhook, in built-up areas, they've got vans driving around that map wireless hotspots. Right. And obviously here, where we are, we're not in the, we're not in the mainstream. We're a little bit out in the sticks. But this actually knows where we are based on the surrounding Wi-Fi. Now, each Wi-Fi hotspot, your home Wi-Fi hotspot, your BT Home Hub, that sort of thing, they all have a unique MAC address, which is the address and serial number of that particular Wi-Fi device. And they're now all mapped. So from just putting in a MAC address, just turning up somewhere near Wi-Fi, it can tell where you are. Isn't that quite scary? Very scary. It's like being on 24, Jack. <laughs> there you go. So that's a little bit of that. our education for the show is something called Skyhook. It's this amazing technology that just by working out which Wi-Fi hotspots and Wi-Fi routers are near you, it can actually pinpoint precision you to where you are. Scary stuff, eh? Shocking. If you want more on this, of course, go to our website at www.frequencycast.co.uk. Frequencycast. Now loading. Interaction. Time now for your emails, texts and calls in our interaction section. First off, Mark Kelser asks, On Sky's Pay Once, Watch Forever package, it says that you need a card for BBC One, Two, ITV, Channel 4 and 5. But if these are on Freeview anyway, how come you need a card? I don't get it. Let me try and help you, Mark. The UK is divided up into different TV regions. London, Anglia, Scotland, Wales, etc. Regions have their own local programming. And commercial TV companies also sell advertising into those certain regions. Now, Freeview boxes are fed from a local TV transmitter, so they know which region you're in. But Sky is different, as it's beamed across Europe via satellite. So the only way that a Sky box can get the right region for the BBC programmes and the right adverts for ITV is for you to have a smart card that stores information about where you are, so you get the right content. Does that help? Now we're about to be told off in a podline call, aren't we, Pete? Warmest and appreciative greetings now come to you from Mike Howell, talking from Oldham. On your last edition, gentlemen, somebody wanted to know about the problem of listening to Longwave Radio 4 on various services, and I rather think you shortchanged him. Now, come, come, boys. What the man wanted to know was whether he could listen to the cricket commentary on Radio 4 via Sky. The additional question that I want to pose to you is whether these transmissions are actually in stereo. When Mr. Peter Baxter was the producer in the days when the programmes were on Radio 3, there were stereo microphones set up. Also, what is the bit rate difference on such broadcasts between your listening on Five Live Sports Extra and the Sky Transmission? Now, cricket's always a tough one. Test Match Special is available on Radio 4 Longwave. It's also available on Five Live Sports Extra. You can get this on DAB, online or via digital TV. For DAB, it's transmitted at 64 kbps mono. It's slightly higher if you want to listen on digital TV. On Freeview, Freesat and Sky, it's 96 kbps, but still in mono. As far as we know, that's the top rate you can get, and you won't be bowled over to hear that there's no stereo TMS service that we know of. Sorry. New balls, please! Next, Brian White contacted us about HDTVs. Amongst all the complex hype that the retail trade use is the phrase Full HD. 
it would be most helpful if you could explain the difference between an HD-ready TV set and full HD. As a layman, it is not hard to see that the primary difference is price. There are two numbers in the HD world, 720 and 1080, and this reflects the number of lines that make up a TV picture. Then there's a P for progressive, or an I for interlaced. Technically, at the top of the shop, 1080p is the number one resolution, and it's this format that's often called Full HD. Note, however, that the likes of Sky are only using either 720p or 1080i at this time. And there's many people out there that believe that the average user on an average sized TV set won't see much of a difference between 1080i and 1080p, other than to their wallets, of course. Cool, and now this one from Matthew. He asks, with BT Vision, when I see the program lineup for, say, a football match, it says on demand. Does this mean it's included in my sports package, or is it like Skybox Office where I select the game and then I'm billed for it? To watch on demand sport on BT Vision, you can either sign up to a sports or TV package, or go subscription-free and pay for what you watch. If you're paying for a subscription, then the on-demand content for that package is free. Staying with BT, we've also had a call from Charles Peck with a BT Vision question. He asks, does BT Vision support audio description for the blind or visually impaired? Sadly, from what we're told, it doesn't yet. A mail now from Jocelyn in Cranley. I recently purchased a Denon S52 internet music system. It works fine with a wired Ethernet connection, but will not detect my Wi-Fi router. I use a Netgear DG632. Have you or any of your listeners had a similar problem? Or is this just my persecution complex at work? She also says, I think everything you do is great, even the silly jokes. Silly jokes? I hadn't noticed any. I take your dog walking and it cheers both of us up. That's wonderful. I think she's barking up the wrong tree if you want silly jokes. Thanks, Jocelyn. Glad to have you listening. Some things to try. First off, try turning off encryption, albeit briefly, just to see if there's a security problem with your connection. If that doesn't help, perhaps change the router's channel. There are 13 to choose from. Also, it's important to make sure that your router SSID is visible. If you're still having problems, try asking in our forum. When you get back home with Fido, that is. Thanks, Jocelyn. Now here's another podline call. I'm having two sorts of problems with my Skybox. One, it does not energise the red beam that directs to the second television. Two... It is recording unasked for recordings the same time every day. I have not programmed the set to do these said recordings and I cannot stop it doing it. Interesting. With the magic eye, make sure you're not going through a booster as some of these can block TV link signals. Then check the RF output is actually powered. To do this, press Services 401 Select, which gets you to the Secret Engineers menu and then choose option 4, RF Outlets. As for recordings in the future, we're a little stumped on that one. First of all, check that you have no manual recording set up, and also you've got nothing unexpected on Series Link. If anyone else out there has ever seen this problem, or better still, knows the fix, please get in touch. Now, Mark Jarvis says his most used gadget is his Pure Evoke 3 DAB radio, which he uses for time-shifting radio, mostly plays and documentaries from Radio 4. Can we recommend a mobile solution that will play the recordings which are made onto SD cards without any complicated transfer procedure? Pete. Hi Mark. Chances are the recordings are in MP2 format, in which case perhaps give some of the Cowon media players a look, as many of these do support MP2 without conversion. 
See our show notes for some links. Now, another podline call. Good afternoon. My name is Mr. Michael Geach. I bought an LG video recorder yesterday at Tesco with the specific purpose of trying to download from an old camcorder to a DVD. The problem is that I find, having bought the thing, that it's only suitable for downloading from a digital camcorder. Now, mine is an old-fashioned V8, is it? Um, Old-fashioned, non-digital camcorder. And I wondered if you could recommend a recorder that would do that job for me. Most video and DVD recorders will accept input from an analogue camcorder, as long as you have the right lead. If you need a lead, try Maplin's. If you need more help, can you get back to us with a model number for both bits of kit, and we'll try and help. And here's another podline call. This one's about BT Vision, the home hub and Apple TV that we mentioned in the last show. Hello, my name is David Collier. I'm calling from Wigan, Northwest UK. Query about the, uh, the BT Vision service compatibility with the hub, BT Broadband hub with Apple TV, uh, using that in conjunction with the BT Vision box as well. Also, if you sign up for broadband, do you get the free V-Box with the package, or do you have to pay separately for that? We're not aware of any problems with using an Apple TV and a BT Home Hub. It should just work. As for the free set-top box, well, you can get a BT Vision box with a recorder for free if you sign up to BT Vision and any one of the BT Vision TV packages. If you don't want to sign up to any BT Vision packages, then you can still get the box. It's not quite free, but it is only £29.36 until the end of March. Next, Paul Stoneman asks, The Sky HD box has USB and Ethernet ports, which currently do nothing. Is Sky going to release the potential for these for music playing, downloads, web browsing, or Faster Sky Interactive? Hi Paul, good question. I don't think anything's actually been made public about the plans for these sockets yet. And if asked, the official word from Sky is these are reserved for future use. My money's on the Ethernet socket being used for on-demand content over Sky Broadband in the future. Watch this space. Frequency cast. Shutdown in progress. Well, that's it for this Frequency Cast. If you want to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail message on 0208 133 4567. Or you can contact us from our site. If you're on the move, text us on 07882 043 521. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember to check out the show notes for this show, Show 37 for links to everything we've discussed today. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button and also comment on today's show in our listeners' forum. Our web address is www.frequencycast.co.uk So that's all for this show with BT, HD, DAB, TV, Boxes Record, Football and All and Global Positioning without the aid of GPS. That didn't quite go, did it? Catch you on the next show. And please spread the word. Frequency Cast. Shut down.